<laughs> Let's go! Oh my god! Let's go! Welcome to Killin' Episode 4. We do this, we are grinding every single Monday night at 8 p.m. Eastern. E-doggies! We have an awesome, awesome, awesome crowd today. But before that, I just want to say something that is a, a little motivational uh, bit of wisdom before we get into this. And a very wise man once told me that you can't look back. You just have to put the past behind you and find something better in your future. And that's what we're going to do. Every single day that something bad happens, we're going to put that in the past and we're going to keep looking forward. We are going to put our heads forward. And we are going to keep on moving. What's up, PP? What's up, agents? Hey, Wizard. Hey, Daniela. Um, hey, Wilson. Good to have everybody up here. What's going on? What's up, Moose? I know, you know, it doesn't matter how tired I am. When you when I hear your voice, I just get hyped, dude. So, good to hear your voice, bro. Let's go. This is what it's about, baby. I cannot wait for this one. So, today we have Wizard of Soho on the show. And I cannot wait to hear his thoughts on everything that's going on this week. Uh, kind of a, you know, crapshoot. But, <laughs> Agents, what was your weekend like, bro? Bro, you know, forget about my weekend. I want to redo my contract here. How the hell am I supposed to follow up Joey Moose? That that hype train, all right? But you know what my weekend was? My weekend was, God, I hope I don't have to follow up Joey Moose on Monday. And And here we are. But all things considering, uh, it was good. Listen, like you guys, I probably spent the majority of the weekend sitting in Twitter spaces. Um, but, you know, it was good. How about you guys, Child? It was good, man. Uh, I, I, you know, the most exciting part of my weekend just happened in the last, like, two hours because I flew down to Miami and Wilson and I just grabbed a steak dinner. So uh, we're actually chilling here in my hotel room. I'm on a business trip. And uh, we're doing the, the space together. So uh, everything is good. The weather is so warm and it, it's incredible. That's historic. Four episodes in and we already have a live simulcast. All right. If that doesn't set some sort of bar, I don't know what will. Well, agents, I just got to come in and say, I mean, I know what you're best at doing in here. And something that you can one up me on. I know you, you like to talk about that little blue thing in the corner, the bottom right. You're right. I do love to talk about this. I usually like talking about it when it's purple and uh, and we can segue it in with a giveaway. But <laughs> I'll tell you guys, if you want to show some support to us, ask not what Chillin' Podcast can do for you, but what you can do for Chillin' Podcast. Hit that bottom right little plus sign. Tweet about the space. We'll get some people in here. We're going to go into our uh, alpha with Mint Media and then... Yes, PP already said we have our special guest, Wizard of Soho, who's up here on stage with us. But first, let's hear from the Mint Media crew. What's going on, guys? How is oh, wait, PP, intro music. Yeah, I'm waiting, I'm waiting for the oh, song. Yeah, yeah. Every time I hear that, I think Mint Media. Mint Media. Go for it, guys. Um, it's really starting to grow on me. I, I absolutely love it. Um, what's going on, everyone? Can you hear me loud and clear? Yes, we can. Cool, cool. Well, I'm Wilson from Mint Media. We deliver educational content about NFTs on a weekly basis. So, you know, there's a lot that 
went on this week. My heart goes out to everyone that's been affected by the FTX contagion, which is clearly the elephant in the room right now. And, you know, it's spread through all crypto. NFTs are not immune to this. And we're definitely starting to see what I like to think is some sort of capitulation. Um, We saw the highest day ever of weak bids accepted earlier this week. And this has actually been staying elevated as well, which obviously shows that people are panic selling in real time. They're looking for quick liquidity. And we're seeing some of the bear market lows for Board 8 Yacht Club, Moonbirds, Doodles, uh, Mutant Apes, even Moonbirds and Mutant Apes, for example, are seeing their lowest USDC prices since midday. Um, and despite all of the panic selling, what's also kind of keeping us a bit down in the dumps is that the volume was still the lowest um, three was still the lowest of one of the three lowest weeks of all of the bear market. So, you know, it's tough because we're seeing a lot of panic selling, but volumes really low, which gets the undercutters involved, which kind of leads to those weep bids. So this, this it's been a really tough week for a lot of people here. Um, I'll let Chuck take it from here because he's got some great insights on this as well. Yeah, thank, thanks, Wilson. Um, so I, th- I think th- th- despite all the things that Wilson touched on, you know, I think it does represent a great opportunity if you've been uh, careful with, with how you kind of manage your portfolio of NFTs, crypto, et cetera. And I think uh, examining the, the trend of wheat bids being accepted, obviously liquidity is, is being sought after by just about everybody. Uh, but with that, I think people tend to overlook how powerful or how effective, rather, uh, we bidding, you know, on the buy side can be. And I think it's really if you're looking, you know, if you're looking to load up your shopping cart for Christmas, get your girlfriend that little pudgy she's always wanted. It's a great time to uh, it's a great time to to convert some ETH to ETH and and start setting some bids. So uh, I just had a couple of. Uh, tactics that's kind of worked for me in the past that that I can impart on you all, and then I'll kind of open it up to the group here. Um, so I think the I think the first thing that that I really look for in a time where where we bids are are being accepted pretty rapidly is, you know, I really try to monitor the floor activity, and I look at you know the bottom ten or twenty wallets, and I try to see I try to ask myself a few questions. Firstly, you know, is it one wallet that's constantly undercutting, or is it you know a bunch of wallets? And then kind of taking it from there, is it, you know, if it's one wallet, are they only selling a handful or are they really just trying to dump everything and dump the floor? And if that's the case, I think, you know, not just setting a collection bid, but specifically bidding on those um, on those NFTs that the person is clearly trying to offload. I think you can find a pretty nice, you know, 20 to 25 percent discount, depending on where the, the weave floor is, um, because that person is obviously looking to get out pretty quickly. Um and then I think, you know, on top of that, on top of just trying to get into a collection from a board perspective, I think, you know, Pudgy Penguins definitely comes to mind because I think there's definitely been some people undercutting, but also, you know, across the spectrum of NFTs, um, you know, looking at specific traits uh, in particular uh, it, it is, is definitely, you know, if there's, if there's that one NFT uh, that had, a, you know, maybe had the ice skin, not, not that I think anyone's, you know, puking any ice skins, but um you know, if, if you, I think, you know, the rarer NFTs can, uh, you know, they obviously fetch above floor price, but I think, you know, think of the psychology of somebody who holds an NFT, right? They, they see the floor prices tanking. They are having second guesses about, you know, holding or selling. 
and but they have a rare NFT and they're not quite sure where to price it at. And I think if you you um, you know set a weep bid at something you know a little bit above floor, then they'll they may say to themselves, well, look, I you know I have something better you know better than the floor price. It's better than nothing. Uh, I might as well take it. And I'm actually very surprised at the 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 amount of times that I've been successful in, in bidding above floor on some some rare NFTs. And I think. Just the one other thing I would say about that before I open up to the group is uh, I, I would just say just uh, definitely worth monitoring the activity of the NFT itself when you're looking at you know, rare, rare tokens. I think you're going to have a lot more luck in looking in, in landing a bid for a token that has been trading a lot of hands versus somebody who minted and hasn't sold in almost a year because in all likelihood, they're probably still not going to sell. Um, so those are just a couple of things that that I've been uh, I've been employing just over the last week or so and trying to scoop up some stuff on the cheap. Uh, you know, if you have the opportunity to do so, definitely definitely look into that a little bit more. It sounds like what you're saying is, uh, you know, you got to do a lot of your own research uh, in the bear and uh, really nail down what what makes uh, the most sense from project to project and, and trade to trade even. And especially even with like a collection like penguins, like you said, like, uh, you know, people buy off aesthetics, not even off trades sometimes. So just if, if an NFT looks good or clean or whatever, you know, that might be a deal, uh, in a market like this. So thanks, Chuck. Appreciate the insights. Yeah. Chuck Wilson, I, I wanted to ask, I was kind of determined not to talk about the SBF FTX nonsense, but it, it, it bears asking, uh, do, have we seen any NFT projects wiped out because they were holding their treasuries on FTX? Are NFT projects, by and large, insulated from this kind of stuff? I, I saw a couple founders come out and, and say where their funds are just to kind of assuage some concerns. Has anyone really been taken out by this? So, yeah, I could I could jump in. I think that right now I haven't seen anything too notable. You know, there's a lot of whispers through the grapevine of what's going on. Um, and we haven't heard about a lot of this stuff yet. I think the first of all, I would not be surprised um, if this was the case. And I'm sure these this will come out eventually. But, you know, maybe the few projects I'm thinking of right now, I don't want to put on the spot if I'm not 100% sure. But there's a lot of rumors floating around about a lot of projects. And I'm sure a lot of this stuff will come out, which is very unfortunate. I also think kind of going back to the weave bid thing, you know, you also have to think about projects getting taken out by maybe certain projects have a large percent of holders in general that have their their money in FTX and you know these people need instant liquidity and are going to bail and everyone's going to kind of tank the floor on a project and you know we all know this about NFTs it's a very reflexive cycle you see a bunch of people buying it makes the it makes the art look better you see a bunch of people selling you know board apes don't look as good now at under 50 ETH and they did it 150 ETH so it's it's really tough I'm I think there's going to be a lot of bad news that does come out um, in the upcoming weeks but you know for now, it, I don't really want to kind of spread the rumor meal, but uh, my, my heart does go out to holders of all these projects and all people affected. I mean, this is just a terrible thing all around, and I don't think any anyone's happy about this. Like, I know a lot of people here want to dunk on, you know, other blue chips that are going down in price, but, you know, a lot of these projects tanking aren't necessarily good long, good short term, at least, for a lot of, like, the Penguins floor prices as well. It's kind of, we're all in the same shift together, so you know, hope, wishing the best for everyone. It's been a tough week. 
isn't it funny how how quick that shift from bro i'll buy when the price goes down turns into f that i'll buy when the price starts going up yeah i mean you know one of the interesting things we've we've seen this week with like quick capitulation is like people are being like buying soul and buying utes like utes went from 400 us dollars to 1200 dollars. i think they went from a thousand dollars to 400 to 1200 in like a three-hour period like there's so much opportunity out there right now if you you know if you want to put your balls on the table and go for it but obviously there's there's a lot of tough times ahead Cards on the table. Yeah, no balls are going on the <laughs> yes. table. Cards yeah, yeah. On the table. Put your cards on the table. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I, I don't know what table you've been at, uh, Wilson, but thank you. <laughs> <laughs> thank you, Chuck and Wilson. Pretty low Bef- table. It's <laughs> a really low table. Uh, before we get the whiz, we forgot to get to Daniela. Daniela, I heard you have a uh, crazy story that happened to you this weekend. Hey. Um, hey. It's, it's, not, it's not so crazy. It definitely has like a very related ending. But um, so as some people might know, I was, I was definitely one of the people affected by what happened with FTX. I had everything on FTX aside from my NFTs and my 401k. So it was a pretty emotional week for me. And um, I had I canceled uh, a date that I had on Wednesday because I was just a mess. And I had rescheduled it for Saturday. Um, and was like really cool person, really attractive, super smart. And like I was thinking this would just be a wonderful distraction. But my chest was so tight and I couldn't get my head out of everything that was going on. And like like a little into it, I just started crying. And I was like, I have to go because I just – I don't think I could be around people right now. Like I'm certainly not in any position to be dating. Um, and when I got home, like he was, he was so sweet and understanding and he like messaged me and asked me what my wallet was. And um, he ended up sending me his one and only little pudgy. And he knew, he knew I was, you know, obviously a huge pudgy penguin fan Um and like when we first started talking, like he even sent me evidence that he had a little pudgy, which I thought was adorable. But he was like, you need this more than me right now. And it was one of the little ones holding a, a good morning sign. And it was just so sweet and so moving. That's um, amazing. Yeah. <laughs> I actually sent my wife evidence of a little pudgy, but that was before pudgy penguins even existed. Uh, Daniel, <laughs> that, that's so sweet. Yeah, it really was. You have to tell him that's to change his profile picture, though. He can't. <laughs> I know. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> not your penguin anymore. <laughs> yeah. S- speaking of nice penguin holders, Wiz, what's up, man? Woo-hoo! What's up, boys? What's going on? That was pretty good story, by the way. It, you know, this is the best story, and we totally cut it out, Daniela. I'm so yeah, super that sorry. Was pretty, that was adorable. <laughs> good to know. You, uh, you hold pudgies, uh, you can get uh, dates. That's rare for web free people. So, well, it's a reference like what Chuck was saying earlier about you know buying them for Christmas presents and stuff. I, I mean, I certainly this was like a very specific situation, but I was very moved by that gesture. So, I, I encourage you fellows to get your partners pudgy penguins too. Wiz, for my the people girlfriend that... couldn't be less interested in uh, <laughs> pudgy penguin, but I've tried. I've tried. She she likes to think that she's the responsible one in the relationship. So. You know, she have a she's real not job or one. something. 
<laughs> Wiz, before we get started with the interview, I just want to give you a thank you because our giveaway, and if you haven't entered yet, uh, enter now. Uh, our giveaway is brought to you by you, Anna Vinko Winery Dow. So thank you, sir. Throw some hundreds up in the uh, audience for Wizard of Soho. Let's get some hundreds up for Wizard of Soho, and let's let's hear the backstory. What is what is this exactly? Winery Dow. Yes. Yeah, it's uh, it's basically a, a project uh, that me, you know, most people who have been uh, you know kind of uh, following my account whether on instagram or twitter know like you know how big i've been into wine for like over the last decade you know um just you know something just like a passion on the side and uh you know me and my partner who is um he's a, a winemaker like he's got like 100 plus years of uh, winemaking experience in uh napa like literally i mean his dad his grandpa everyone right uh so we both partnered up together and started um we did like a proof of concept like uh, in 2020 and that wine kind of sold out. It's in a couple of restaurants in California. And then we were like, listen, how can we like disrupt the, the wine and spirit space? And we kind of came up with this concept of a uh, winery DAO, like where the people are no longer the consumer, but they're like, you know, feel like owners and collectors uh, kind of change the paradigm a little bit in the wine and spirit space. So we kind of launched it and, you know, it's, it's going really well. It's a, it's kind of a niche, um, you know, product and space, and there's a lot of education. Uh, but what's been amazing is uh, the, you know, it's a very strong community. Uh, we literally, all the wine has been, we were just, so if you mint it, uh, it's like a point-free eat mint. Uh, you get two bottles of our high-quality wine for free as a physical airdrop. So you have to stake your NFT for two weeks, and then you get a, a, a claim for uh, two bottles. Uh, so over the last two weeks, all our bottles are being shipped out. Um, you can see on my page, or even if you go to the Winery Dow, uh, tons of people have been posting it on their Twitters, but yeah, it's it's one of the few NFTs in the world where um, you get to drink it and enjoy it with family, and you can bring it to like you know your holiday like Thanksgiving dinner and show your parents that it's not just you know pictures of animals on the internet, but there's actually wine that we're drinking that came from like uh, NFT utility. So we have a tasting room in Napa. Uh, a vineyard that's been used by our uh, community. I think over 200 people have come now, all gated by the NFT. Um, yeah, we're going to have a wine bar uh, that's going to be built out by the Dow in uh, New York City, I believe. Uh, we're still working that out, but it's on our roadmap. But yeah, it's it's pretty exciting. It's still minting, so it's pretty cool. But yeah, there's just so much utilities. It's, it's pretty crazy. But whoever comes and checks out the utility in Napa just falls in love. Plus, you can be anywhere in the world and get the wine. Uh, so it's pretty phenomenal. And I've seen some wine bottles with a one Luca Nets is a penguin on it. Can you tell us a little bit about that? Yeah. So that's going to be a future utility that we're putting out, which is uh, pretty cool. So every Ivanko uh, NFT holder will be able to put uh, any NFT that they want on their bottle. So they'll have a custom bottle. So Luca obviously got his uh, golden pudgy on his bottles, which was just in a trial phase for that. So we had like a couple of people like Franklin got like one of his golden apes on his. Farouk got his like crypto punk. So we just got a couple of people to just test it out. Uh, but yeah, but like every, so we're going to have like a, most likely do like free packs uh, in like, you know, once these shipments go out, like the free ones, uh, and then we're going to do like free packs. So uh, I think like maybe like we haven't fixed the cost yet, but like assume like around 0.1 ETH or something or 1, 0.15 ETH, you get free bottles. Uh, you get to put your uh, NFT. So say you want to put your Pudgy on it. 
um, and we'll ship it out to you. So if you want to collect, and these are like all vintage bottles, right? So they're like 2015, 2015, 2016. So these can age. They're like Cabernet Sauvignon mostly. So they can age like 30, 40 years. So imagine like putting your pudgy on your bottle and putting it in the cellar and we can store it for you too but you know put it in your cellar and you know like 10 years from now you open it and you're drinking this beautiful wine and you can talk about your pudgy around your whoever you're drinking with and make new memories but yeah being able to put your nfts on uh individual bottles as you want on three packs and six packs i think that's uh, going to be really huge and that's going to be our next utility so the longer you stake your nfts um, the more utilities keep unlocking, and this is going to be one of the big unlocks in the next few months. So we're pretty excited about it. They're almost soul bound in that way that you you kind of you know put them on your your bottle of wine. Like you're never going to get rid of that. Like you know it's awesome. Yeah, yeah, no, it's 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 pretty cool. I think it's the it's the only like um, you know most of the like physical um stuff that we've gotten in the nft space has just been merch right like mostly like we've really like toys obviously pudgies is you know kind of like pushing the boundary in that but other than that it's just been kind of like merch and it's not even custom merch it's just like you know the general logo and then that's kind of it and i don't feel like that's not really breakthrough or pushing the boundary at all right so uh i think you know like maybe like links dow like i don't know if you guys know it's like that golf one that's kind of cool but that's also going to take a while or fly fish that gary Ree is doing you know that's also going to be a while but we already have the vineyards ready so we built everything first so the vineyards are ready the tasting lounges everything's ready the w- bottles are all bottled and all the like everybody's already getting their physical airdrop. So I think it's something different. I think it's cool because you can drink the wine right away. You don't have to wait that long. So like you mint tonight, you can get it in like two, you know, so you have to stake it for two weeks, then you get the airdrop. So, um, you know, assume like three, four weeks from now, you'll have your bottle. So that's kind of cool. Something different. Yeah, I love that. It to mint? It's 0.3 ETH. And so that includes the two bottles, which is it retails around uh, uh, like 350 to $400 total. Uh, which is like a now given price of ETH that's worth more than the entire mint. Uh, and then we, you also get access to uh, free tastings at the lounge in Napa. Uh, and if you get the gold pass, then it's, which is, it's the same price. It just tells you the rarity based on like randomly in two weeks. Uh, but uh, if you get the gold pass, you'll get access to the champagne allocation, which is going to be like this amazing sparkling wine we're making out of California. Uh, and then we're going to also have, um, like, there's so many utilities. You can check the website, but uh, it's literally like a roadmap of utilities being built out. And already there's tons. Like you, there's, there's so many people in the community who have come to the tasting lounge with family members and just drank wine and relaxed and chilled. It's been pretty un- unreal. You know, well, I love... I, sorry, PP. I keep you know the, the inner alcoholic in me is really loving this <laughs> idea. So I, I'm a huge fan. I'm uh, literally going to go mint it right now. So uh, thank you, man. Yeah, the, the links in my bio, so you can check it out. But yeah, there's tons. I mean, the, the, the other cool thing is because it's one of the few things that's kind of like involved. Um, you know, most like NFT stuff is just men, right? Um, or like young people like us, like you know whatever. Uh, like you know the pfps or gaming and stuff this is one of the few that has gotten like um a lot of like love from like women and older people who are not even in nfts which has been really cool to kind of like break the space so what's been unreal is we've gotten like a ton of press like all like good organic press like we didn't pay for anything like all forbes like covered us like two times and then uh we have a bunch of articles coming out in like vogue vanity fair uh stuff like that because it's 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 one of the few things that like you know a lot of women are able to like 
uh, find like attraction to. So like, oh, wine community can go drink in Napa and like you know stuff like that. Or if you're in like you know New York, or we're gonna have some collabs in London soon at wine bars. But yeah, it's it's something different and kind of fun. And you actually get you know it doesn't matter what's happening in the market. You worst case, you still have bottles of wine in your hand and you can drink it and make some good memories. Actually, speaking of women loving the wine, I've tried it before. I was at your um, NFT NYC wine tasting in, in Metro. Oh. So I, I can personally speak to how delicious the wine is. And I haven't. And I minted on, on day one. And I've been staking ever since. And I actually didn't um, like order my bottles yet. But I am hosting a Pangu Princesses event during um, Art Basel. And it would be incredible if we could get some bottles with um, some labels. Is, is the label thing still, um, is, is that ready to go? Because I'd love to order my bottles and like make it a thing Yeah, for so the, the label thing is not ready yet uh, for the utility. The only thing you can do is you can get your free bottles that you minted. So you definitely can claim your airdrop. Um, so just go into the portal and obviously claim it with your address in so we can ship it out to you. Uh, but we are, uh, I don't know if I mentioned, I must have mentioned this before, but we are actually going to be sponsoring the Pudgy event at Art Basel. So we're going to be um, having special Pudgy bottles. I think we're going to have Luca's um, uh, golden Pudgies on them. So I'll be there at the Art Basel Pudgy event with uh, Ivinko Winery. And um, I guess I don't know, if PP, I don't even know if you knew this before we, I came up here. But yeah, we're going to be um, sponsoring the wine for the Pudgy event. And I'll be there serving myself. So you'll you're be leaking right. alpha. You're leaking alpha. <laughs> I was just going to say, sound the air horns. That's an alpha <laughs> drop right there. Let's go. And wow, the eco wind down and, and uh, pudgy penguins, the collab. My friend, I have a quick question for you. Not to, not to get any. Yeah, uh, of course. Not, not to get involved. Would you have any kosher wine as well? Because I know there's some Jewish people, you know, that, that keep the Yeah. Kosher. Um, so, we, yeah, we do have access to uh, some bottling. So if somebody wants to put in a request, we can definitely make something happen. But our, our general, general wine in general is not kosher. But uh, we do have access to some partnerships that we can make it happen. Awesome. Wow. Can't wait. Can't wait to try it as well. So, Wiz, sorry, PP, but this has been uh, on my mind. I, <laughs> I sold a winery once in northern New Jersey, and uh, I was going through their numbers, and a big part of their business was these limited runs where they would get people in, and it's like bottle your own wine, local businesses, that kind of stuff. So it seems like the demand was already there for you know, wine connoisseurs or enthusiasts who want to own a piece of what they're drinking. Do you think that played a part in this having like a wider appeal outside the NFT space? Like people got it easier? Yeah, I think, you know, it's funny when, so we hosted, so it was a, that, so we obviously have a full community run DAO, right? So 50% of all, close to 50% of all mint money goes to the community treasury wallet. So it's controlled by, like, you know, obviously like a regular DAO, like you have to go put proposals, vote, everything. And one of the proposals that uh, was put up um, was to have a media event that was fully sponsored by the DAO, right? And it was mostly like Web2 people. So like it, it was all like, um, you know, like the magazines I mentioned, right? Like Marie Claire, uh, Vanity Fair, uh, I mean, you name it, They're like all those, like, you know, Vogue, like all those, like New York mag, stuff like that. And the, most of them, one, I think one or two of them had kind of good sense of NFTs, uh, but most of them kind of didn't. And 
the the fact that there was wine as the interface uh, made it so much easier for them to kind of get it on like how so they got because they were like okay there are these pictures of people are like it's worth five hundred thousand dollars like you know monkey pictures and we just that doesn't make any sense right. But this concept was so easy for them to get. And that's why they loved writing about it. Because, like, they're like, we don't want to write about something that just makes no physical sense. Like, you know, is this, like, this is obviously a bubble or what, like, you know, whether it's or not, that's not up for, like, that's not what I'm trying to debate. But that's the first sense, right? If you tell some random person, like, oh, this digital picture of a monkey is worth half a million dollars, you're going to be like, "Uh, what the hell are you talking about, right? But this was very easy. Like, the, you know, once I explained what DAO means, how a community can actually control the progress of a winery or a wine company that's never happened before. Uh, people have a say on, you know, not only people have a say, their membership and, you know, is worth something rather than, you know, think being in a country club or something, right? Or Soho House, for example. When you leave, there's nothing, right? You just leave and then they're like, oh, thank you for spending all this money, but, you know, see you later. Uh, you can't sell your line on the spot. So that's the same thing with wineries. A lot of rare wines have a lot of demand and they're, once you leave that spot on the, the like this bottle, like for example, Sinequinon is a very famous California-based wine. Each bottle goes for like five to 10X if you can get on the list. So think about being on a white list and basically minting it and selling it, right? It's an instant 5X. And you get this every three months, right? And people do this, like it's Screaming Eagle, it's an instant 10X. Um, and you can't sell your whitelist. But here, essentially, your pass or your membership, you're able to you know, get some value if you don't like it. Uh, ideally, people like it. But just being giving people that, that feeling that they're no longer a consumer, uh, but they're a collector or they're a, a feeling like an owner, right? That's the big difference in, in decentralization and democratization, right? It's taking away the power that a few people control and giving that back to uh, the people because... Think about like Kickstarter. When you did Kickstarter, you were just a consumer. You paid for the product, and that was kind of it. You got no upside other than that. But that's kind of what we wanted to change in the wine world. We're like, you want to give people the upside, but it was so easy to kind of explain to like normies or like Web2 people because they were like, okay, so wine, okay, so I can like sell this thing. And if I don't like it, I can like give it to somebody else. It's limited amount. Uh, I can buy bottles of wine. It's exclusive. There's a tasting lounge. There's gonna be wine bars. Uh, you're gonna get discounts and stuff. I mean, okay, like that's so much easier to kind of explain than trying to explain why a picture of an ape is worth half a million, right? You know what I mean? So, uh, not to say that it should be or not. You know, I don't want to get any apes angry at me. But my point is, you know, it, f- to explain to Web two people. It was so much easier uh, than any of my other projects, right? So um, it kind of made sense. Yeah. Well, it's you, like Web two. It didn't appeal to people until there was a use case for the individual. Exactly. Where it made sense. You bring up a good point too, where it's like you introduce people to NFTs. I've seen a lot of people call these kind of projects like digital, but I think a better term for it is like a gateway NFT. And I think you're doing it really well with Winery Down. There's a fellow penguin down audience. I see you, Tech Mobo. He did uh, Zero X Coffee. I helped him out with that. But it's basically the same thing. Like you have a product, a physical product that you're ready to ship. And once these people mint NFTs, they can go ahead and claim the good uh, right away. And like to be able to introduce NFTs, uh, introduce people to NFTs in this way, other than like I'm selling you a picture or like a IP license, it's much easier to get if there's a tangible product. So uh, super stoked for uh, Avika Winery. Down. I minted some time ago and 
I need to stake. I haven't staked it yet, so I'll get on that. Yeah, stake it. So the way we get you get the physical airdrop is you stake it for two weeks, but then you get this tons of other perks, right? So in two weeks, it'll also show your rarity. So if you've got the gold pass or the silver pass, so obviously gold pass will get you the champagne allocation down the line as well. But yeah, lots of fun stuff. Is there well, any I just way to it. get the gold one just by talking to you? Can I get the gold one, please? I'm just kidding. I'll, I'll stake it and see what I get. Well, I just staked it and it was super easy. So I'm excited to wait two weeks to figure it out. That's like, that's a lot of suspense for crypto. I'm curious, like, how did you settle on the two week uh, time frame? That's like two years in this space, you know? <laughs> yeah. So when we were launching, we needed a little bit of bandwidth to be able to, um, you know, send the shipments over. But what ended up happening was uh, it got so hot in the summer that we couldn't send the shipments anyway. So we had to wait till the fall because obviously this is like very high end wine. So we didn't want to like destroy it, even though it's free for people. We just want to make sure they get the, the perfect like temperature and stuff. Uh, but yeah, it's we're just breaking apart like the, you know, most staking contracts, you get like coins and stuff, right? Our staking contract, you get perks and utility unlocks as time passes by. So it's kind of like a, so it's like an aging contract, we call it. So the, you know, when wine ages more, it gets better and more like bouquets and flavors can unlock in the same way our aging contract will unlock more perks and fun stuff as time passes. So that's kind of the idea. That's so cool. Now, was that planned or was that a happy little coincidence that wine ages in the staking contract? Yeah, no. So we, we wanted to do something. So our whole thing was, um, you know, we just, we, you know, there's a lot of stuff that's like, you don't, you know, they're like, oh, this is the web free version of it. And it's like, oh, do we really need a web-free version of this? It doesn't kind of make sense, right? But we were like, okay, there's, we don't really want to have a web-free version of a winery unless we're able to disrupt it prop, like in a proper way. And then we thought, we thought like the gamification and community building uh, would be like the way we'd kind of disrupt. So the gamification came from the staking contract because we're like, okay, this is a really cool gamification system where you just have these surprise unlocks with like random stuff. So, you know, you, we have a uh, unlock where if you stake it a certain time, you get free tastings at the lounge. If you ha- you stake it longer, you get a uh, you know vineyard experience. So you can come to the vineyard, hang out. Literally, it's like one of the most beautiful vineyards you'll see. Yeah, uh, it's like in the you just sit literally sit out in the in the vineyard on these couches, drink wine with our winemaker. Like you know all these like fun things. And then obviously you know one of our partners um, is Keyboard Monkey, right? Like he's a partner of mine, and you know, obviously, another very famous Pudgy. Um, so, you know, same thing. Like, you know, being able to like, we're gonna have a fun little thing where me, you know, get to do a dinner with me and keyboard, maybe at some event somewhere. Like, so there's all kinds of fun like things we've like put in there over time. Raffles that will unlock for like wine bottles, like rare wine uh, raffles for like NFTs, stuff like that. Uh, a keyboard most likely might be coming to. The pudgy event to uh, uh sorry you will be coming to the pudgy event to bartend with me too so that'll be fun he's not going to be spinning the tables no i don't think so unless <laughs> luca hired him for that i don't know <laughs> i yeah. look forward to chirping him publicly about rebuying that penguin <laughs> times. That what a, like... that's like goes in instantly into pudgy lore though by the way that's the uh, rebuying of that pudgy it's just... oh yeah keyboard's got a lot of pudgy lore. i mean he's og pudgy fan oh yeah, yeah that man. was pretty incredible really was uh speaking of incredible you've had some incredible calls i think these past few weeks few months uh i think you called the exact bottom <laughs> on uh traditional finance markets but 
like where the hell would we be BTC and ETH wise if it wasn't for FTX's like a sex cult Ponzi scheme they're running? Oh, man, this is depressing. Oh, God. Um, I think it's very fair to say it would be at least, I would think, 2100 to 2200. Um, yeah, BTC definitely would break 25K uh, for sure. But yeah, it's, I mean, it was like the, the real bottom on, um, you know, ETH was, and, you know, this is when I went like giga long. So that was like a couple of weeks ago. There was an article in Wall Street Journal that published that usually, so the Fed always, you know, over history has like been leaking stuff to the Wall Street Journal through this one author over there. And that's what they kind of did. So ETH was around 12, 6, it was like, I think it was like 5.36 in the morning. Uh, it was a Friday. And uh, ETH was like 12, I think ETH was 12.75. And it looked like it was about to crater. It got to 12.61. It got to 12.53, I think. And it looked like it was going to go 1,200 and below. And then the article came out and then like it just spiked and like, I got in at like 1261 when I read the article. Essentially, it was the Fed kind of saying, we're going to slow down the pace of hikes. And I was like, this is it. This is kind of like the first of 10 steps, uh, as long as data cooperates, obviously. Uh, and, and and we don't get a black swan event. So literally, I went like long, like, you know, uh, lo- like bonds, gold, silver, uh, and then obviously a ton of crypto. And it was great. It was a phenomenal trade because we got to, what, 1650, 1677. And it literally was like, I mean, the chart was beautiful. Um, the candle, I remember the 4 R candle we had when we got from 1350 to 1450 on ETH was the highest volume 4 R candle we had seen all year. Um, it was it was incredible. I mean, just everything made sense. So it was literally, it was full takeoff mode. Um, and then obviously with CPI that came in two days ago, you know, um, NASDAQ and like traditional markets have moved over 10% in like two to three days. And that was like, it's like the biggest two day move since 2008. So we're talking like, you know, um, 10 plus years, like almost 15 years, the biggest two day move you've seen in the traditional markets. So, I mean, and given the fact that, you know, crypto is you know a little bit lower liquidity and a little bit higher risk you would expect like easily they would have had on that day when cpi came out and stocks moved like seven percent i think would have seen it go from like 1700 uh on that day to like it'll break with a broken 2000 within like the first like two three hours and stayed above but yeah but you know is but that's the only reason we haven't died yet right like so i yeah. guess there's some yeah. solace in that i mean I think it would have been at least at uh, 1100 or below by now if it wasn't for macro kind of helping it out. Yeah, totally agree. But I also regret asking you that question because it just made me even more sad, honestly. Yeah, <laughs> never exactly. forget what they took away from you. Yeah, depressing, but it is what it is. But it's all good. You know, I always, like, like if you look at all the past, not even that far back, right? Like, look at FreeAC. FreeAC was a $18 billion fund, you know, levered up that fully capitulated, right? Like, everything, I, I think the only thing that hasn't been sold, or maybe it's still being sold, is uh, the NFTs. But everything else, they fully capitulated. <laughs> and that, and it was, uh, you know, coupled with a very bad macro environment. Like, Fed was, like, super hawkish. Every CPI was coming out really, really bad. 
uh, stocks were hitting like their absolute lows. Like I think it was like 3,600 on S&P to give you an idea. It's like almost it crossed 4,000 today and then pulled back a little bit. But we're talking like the worst of the worst situation. And that took us to $800 on ETH. And I think, I don't even think it closed a day below there, but we kind of, and then we had the CPI number come out like three days later and we spiked from, um, I think it was like, so it was 1080, the CPI morning. I remember I was in like Florence and spending my summer in Europe at the time. I was having lunch and the CPI came out and we went from 1080 to like 1020 and then we spiked to like 1300 and then we spent the next three weeks or a month rallying and we touched 2000 then. Um, and I think we kind of saw like a very similar kind of situation where we were caught to like 1080 again or 1053 something and we spiked to like 1350 and now we're just kind of consolidating. But I think what, what I think that's kind of possibly what's going to happen. I mean, I think the sentiment is so much worse now, but VAC was pretty bad too. But right now, the liquidity, there's a lot of liquidity that's gone on the market because Alameda was obviously a huge liquidity maker. So, you know, market depth is not there as much. Like, if somebody wants to sell, like, you know, like a hundred Bitcoin, like, it'll move the price, like, probably like, you know, a lot more than the use. Like, I remember you could sell like a hundred ETH market sale, you know, a couple of weeks ago and you'd move the price like maybe like 20 cents, 30 cents, maybe 40 cents, like late at night. But now it moves like, you know, a couple dollars to five dollars. So, but all of that will come back. Listen, all, I've been through Lehman Brothers. I've been through like all these, like, you know, the Euro crisis, Greek crisis, when Greek was going bankrupt and Italy was going bankrupt, um, been through COVID. I mean, man, I've seen you know, despair and, you know, world ending like several times. And, you know, we always come back. The key is, you know, what I always, what my old boss on Wall Street used to always say, you know, the market is always cyclical. It'll always come back. Sometimes it might take a little bit longer, but the key is to make sure that you don't get stopped out of the market. So as long as you have the capacity to stay in the market or come back in the market, um, you'll be fine long term. It's just, you know, uh, make sure you don't get stopped out of the market completely. Yeah, and hey guys, just want to reset the room real quick here. Uh, we are joined by Wizard of Soho, an absolute legend who is giving away one access pass. Do we call them access passes, Wiz? I'm going to call them an access pass. To- it's probably just a Winkle Winery DAO, and if he is probably good enough, because my other project is called Alpha Pass, so I don't want to like speed <laughs> roll. I got you. We can't obfuscate the brands. One Evinko Winery DAO is being given away by Wiz. All the details are pinned at the top of this space. And I'm not saying it helps your chances, but it definitely can't hurt. Make sure you're following all the speakers on stage, especially Wizard of Soho. And I will throw it back to you here, PP. Yeah, everybody gets, you know, so the pass gets you two bottles of wine, too. So at least let's make sure you're, like, drinking age in your country or whatever. Yeah. Or give it to your parents, Or I just guess. have a good fake. Hey, Wiz, when you say Alameda was, like, you know, a huge market maker. Do you, don't you mean the uh, people who deposited money into FTX were a huge market maker? <laughs> yeah, well, so, you know, we don't, so there's so much speculation on what exactly happened, right? So is it's, I I don't know what happened, but it's see, what I think happened is, you know, when, when Luna and Free AC and all that stuff happened, I think that's when Alameda took like a huge, huge hit. And then all this like BlockFi and Voyager were about to go down. And I think he was about to like get fully like blown out and be exposed. 
And so he was like, okay, like I think he's then was like, okay, I want to backdoor money out and lever up even more uh, my positions and bail out these other dying projects. And then this way, at least I'll get like a bottom in the market. And then after the bottom in the market, like, um, you know, I'll be able to like make the money back or something like that. And then he just like, you know, like just laundered his reputation to like, and then used all that money towards that. So, I mean, Alameda, it was, it was like ridiculous. I guess like, you know, listen, I mean, the chance, if you'd ask any of even like the top, top, like Kobe, right? Like Kobe probably is like one of the, you know, most like known um, or like probably the biggest crypto influencer out there. You know, he even said like a couple of days ago, he's like, if you had to guess which exchange would go down, he would have said like, you know, less than 1% chance of FTX. I mean, even me, everybody, even till the last minute, the best, the best traders thought that it would be, there's no shot that SBF is going to go down. There's no shot that FTX. I mean, me too. I, I was telling people like, man, you're silly. If you think like SBF can't like just sell one or two wallets and pay for the entire thing himself. Like it was unreal. Like it was like unfathomable. Right. Um, the only people who were calling for his failure were like other scammers, right? Like, so you look at like all the bit boys and all of them, like they were the ones calling for his demise because they were just other scammers that he was taking away from to like clout, right? So now they're like thinking they're all like big shots, like, and you know, which is pretty bad for the space overall too, because now these people have a huge platform because they're like, oh, I called it. But it's like the only reason they called it because they were all scammers themselves and were like, you know, it was scammer versus scammer. So it's um, the market making of Alameda was still like pretty massive. Right. I mean, it was predatory, like a lot of it, what they were doing, because they were they were really like, you know, on exchanges, like forcing liquidations because they would see your stock market. Like if you put like a stock market order, so say like you bought like 100 ETH and you put like, okay, if it goes below, you bought 100 ETH, say 1500. And you're like, okay, if it goes to 1475, I'm going to stop out of my position. Um, so they could see your order, right? So if it's like not that crazy, like volume or there's not much happening, they could just push the price down, force your stop out and then bring the price back up. And they would do, I mean, everybody does this all the time, but they, they used to do this shit all the time, right? um but like that's so you know they it's yeah so that's the kind of market making they used to do but it's they still provided you know liquidity to the market so that's kind of gone i was looking at this chart i'll try and tweet it out later but it's like it's it's down a lot but again it, i think other market players will come in they're going to see the money to be made as a market maker uh you're seeing dividex is seeing a lot more volume it's like you know decentralized exchange i'm sure i haven't seen coinbase numbers but i would assume it's up as well but you know the 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 second largest exchange in the world went down like that's going to go somewhere they they were still making eight figures a day like ftx so somebody's going to come in and take that money so you know i'm sure guys like citadel and stuff are like yo we'll start market making and provide order books which is good you know yeah they'll make their bid offer and do some predatory shit but it still brings a lot of liquidity and market depth so it's net net it's it is good that's bad it's it's it is what it is do you think it's going to be a little bit wild west for a while i've seen a few coins that have just had these like insane three x's and then completely pull back and some of it's stuff that you know was pretty respectable before is this just <laughs> without market makers is this what we can expect for a while yeah so altcoins so anything that's like not bitcoin i mean even ethereum is kind of trading like a shit coin but um other than bitcoin and ethereum um and uh i don't know what you want to say maybe polygon i guess <laughs> but other than that obviously most coins are just gonna 
like uh, a trade with like massive market moves, right? Like obviously like Solana. If any, it's funny enough, Solana liquidity has been increasing over the last few days uh, as other ones have gone down. Not that it's helping price too much, but uh, I think every other coin is gonna probably trade uh, kind of like shit coins. I mean, you're gonna see stuff move up like ten uh, percent, down five percent. I mean, look at ETH. Like ETH alone is moving like fifty to hundred dollars. Like like every few hours on like nothing like tweets are moving it by like random people like random fud on twitter and like spaces and that people are just spreading misinformation is like moving the price of eat and bitcoin so you can understand like how like it never used to be like that like it doesn't matter how much unless you're like maybe cz or somebody like that like uh, it shouldn't move but like yeah it's just you know rumors just start spreading like like crypto.com rumors spreading or bybit rumor um you know those are like just moving prices around so for me i'm just kind of you know not feeling leverage no margin i'm just kind of dcing into uh eat as it dips <laughs> it's fine you know it's like a long-term trade i'll just i'm just sticking to the major so uh mostly i've just been doing eat um and i'll just dab a little bit into like matic uh and a link or something but like mostly just eat um i've been buying and then you know maybe i'll do some trades here and there on some other coins but honestly i think it's best to be in like a safe like kind of coin that you really can't fud like 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 it's very like how do you fud eat right or bitcoin right like like maybe china comes and says we're going to shut down all bitcoin miners um, again for the 50th time then maybe but like eat what are you gonna say like they it's all proof stake now as well right so i don't I just know feel i saw <laughs> i saw some rumor people saying vitalik was selling eth so he was i wouldn't so he, put it past them yeah but that's that's fine it's not like he he has you know it it's like vitalik selling he sold like 3.2 million like that's you know in the grand scheme of things that's like nothing right there's billions in volume done every day so like a couple million being sold kind of doesn't mean anything but uh you know he, he's probably just you know trying to set up some funds for himself who knows what he's selling for right maybe he's trying to do for some company maybe some race for something maybe just you know trying to sell himself because he thinks maybe there's a you know uh we're gonna be in a like a crypto bear for the next year or two years or something like that so he's like all right let me get some funds aside but again, there's been like, you know, to give you an idea, there's been like, you know, billions in volume that's been traded in the last uh, two days alone across like two exchanges alone. So 3.25 million that Vitalik sold, you know, it's, it's kind of, I think it's more that, you know, it might be like a more emotional selling. He's just like, like, what have I created with crypto and whatever we are? Like, I think he's, it seems like he might be down a little bit and he's just like, all right, let me just kind of sell and just, you know, take a little break or whatever. But he still has tons. The foundation, the foundation always sells, right? Like, that's literally their job because they need to pay, like, the, the ETH foundation. So it, it's fine. Again, it's so negligible given the volume that we see overall. What do you think about the future of, of centralized exchanges? Like, as for a foreign exchange, like what is even safe outside of Binance? And for, for US, you know, it doesn't seem like there are a whole lot of options anymore. Do you think we'll get more or we're just yeah, going fully decentralized mean, from here? So I think the way if you want so if you look at the history, right? If you look at like what kind of brought mass adoption uh, for say stocks. Uh, it was exchanges, right? That's, that's kind of how it is. That's the way, that's kind of what's been growing uh, crypto a lot is all the exchanges. Uh, obviously, FTX had a part of that because they, you know, they did all the ads and stuff like that. But Coinbase, too, has done a great job at that. But uh, unfortunately, it has to be on-ramp, right? Like easy, 
quick on-ramp. Uh, but I think what's going to happen is you're going to see significant amount of regulation, which I think is very bullish. I've always been of the fact that uh, regulation is bullish because it'll give you know normies like safety uh, to put their money in. So I think centralized exchanges, uh, they'll, we'll, I'm sure we'll see new ones come up. Or what will happen is the ones that exist will get more regulated, uh, which will just make on-ramp easier for the layperson because they'll be like, okay, this is like covered like you know like any other uh, product um and my money is you know kind of safe-ish etc etc but i think net net um we can we will see more centralized exchanges come up i think centralized exchanges do need to stay uh i just think they need to have significant amount of regulation and that's completely okay i think there's going to be a lot of decentralized stuff but it's not that easy for like a random person off the street to like you know, go on Uniswap and like, you know, do all do all that like on ramp and get there and do all that, right? And if you want to have that big worldwide adoption, you need to have a very quick like three steps, like bank account to your wallet, and then wallet you buy it, and like that's it. Um, and then you know from there people can learn, and then you know put it into hardware wallets, storage uh, ledgers, etc. But I think you do need, uh, you know, centralized exchanges for mass adoption. Just history just kind of shows that, you know. Um, so, yeah, I, I don't think it's central exchanges anywhere to go. I just think they'll be more regulated, which I think is net-net bullish. Well, as, as a, you know, as the resident Fed in the on the stage, I would say, like, you know, regulation of central exchanges is good, too, because the central exchanges give you a voice in the discussion with, with the regulators and, like, I think this is huge, you know, with Coinbase and Brian Armstrong and like he wants to have an impact on how the regulators actually like develop out the space. And, you know, we, we you want to like you want to be able to welcome regulation, but in a way that you can influence it. So totally agree. Hey, and uh, Wiz, you OK if I if I open up to the audience to uh, come up on stage and ask some questions? Sure, man. Sounds good. Awesome. So, guys, raise your hands uh, if you want to come up and ask Wizard a question. And while we're waiting for that, Wiz, so as someone, it sounds like you're a proponent for regulation to get us to where we need to go. I want to know, because I haven't read the bill, I don't think I've ever read any bill, but do you think this SBF-backed bill is poisoned because of where it's coming from? Have you read it? I haven't read it, but I think anything he has touched is going to be quite toxic. Um, I mean, the Republicans are definitely the rights already starting to, you know, pick up on this FTX thing. Like, uh, like I just I haven't listened to it yet, but uh, Dave Shapiro has like a whole episode on this podcast about FTX, I think. So the fact that, you know, people are starting to pick it up, I think they're going to use it uh, regardless if it's good or bad. They're going to use it as fodder against uh, the Democrats, which, you know, he was the second biggest donor uh, to the Dems. So I'm sure, you know, they're not going to let that go easy. But. I think anything he has touched is definitely toxic and it's not going anywhere. Uh, but we'll we'll definitely see some regulation um, come from both sides, and there'll be some um, bipartisan stuff that will come. You know, funny enough, I was just one of the candidates that potentially might be running for uh, presidency, and I've been trying. I've been have like a couple calls with their team to see if I can be part of a you know a potential like web free or like crypto roadmap structure for them. So I think that's going to be like whoever runs in the next election. I think uh, you know making sure that they have 
some form of some form of a roadmap for crypto or web three is good and you know, there's not that many people in the space right so i'm sure like guys like brian armstrong and stuff will be involved as best as, as well but yeah i'm definitely trying to make sure that you know i get my uh you know like as a representative of like the more regular person just you know get their say in oh, awesome so wilson i see your hand up uh relic welcome to the stage wilson go for it i want to remind you guys as you come up to the stage quickest way to get on is to raise your hand and we'll call on you as we see them thanks pp what's going on wiz um quick question curious to hear your thoughts on the one the overall nft market and two your thoughts around like high-end nfts like specifically not art but specifically like the you know the top five to seven pft projects and where you see these essentially going on let's say a six month to one year time horizon from now sure um Okay, so NFT market, right? So uh, the way I look at the NFT market, so a lot of people think about the NFT market as like a le- like at least the ETH NFT market as a levered ETH position, and that's actually incorrect. Uh, the way to really look at the NFT market is actually a short volatility position. So it's like sh- like you're basically shorting volatility on Ethereum. So w- w- basically, what that means is that. Every time you have big moves in Ethereum, whether it goes up or it goes down, you'll see NFT market go down. Uh, but when it consolidates over time, that's when the NFT market gets volume and then like starts like grinding up. And you can see this like in the data very easily. So when um, like when we were in this range from twelve fifty to thirteen fifty on ETH for like a fucking like month and a half, that's when you saw like a ton of volume uh, that we hadn't seen like. Like, you know, when was the last, like, big volume we saw? Like, March, when, like, other side happened. And then since then, it's just been kind of dead, right? Um, so that's kind of how I think about the NFT market. Um, now, that's just from a price movement, right? Now, obviously, with what happened recently with FTX, um, I think a lot of people, so many people had money there, right? Like, it's kind of insane. Um, so obviously, you see all these, like, all the people who only had and if, so if you had NFTs, you can't keep that in FTX, right? So people who lost their money in FTX but still had NFTs are trying to raise funds because, you know, they're, fucking, they're like, oh, I'm just fucked. I have nothing else. So I think you saw like that. You're seeing that capitulation. Um, then you're seeing, you know, uh, like obviously like Bored Apes has a lot of volatility going on. Bored Apes also, it's, uh, there's a lot of technical factors. There's liquidations happening on their lending platform. And, you know, it's like... Also, like, should Bored Apes have been at 75 ETH through, like, one of the worst bear markets we have seen in, like, the last 15 years? Probably not, right? Like, they probably shouldn't have been that high. And then a few capitulations because of FTX maybe pushed it lower, and that pushing it lower maybe caused some panic, pushing it lower further. And then some people are kind of worried about the whole SEC thing against BAYC. Again, I, I don't think it's that big of an issue, but I think that could have been a reason because BAYC member is an anchor. Uh, and I'm a big, I actually love, uh, you know, all the ape stuff. I think uh, they're doing great stuff for the space. Uh, I don't think it's too much of uh, too many. I think it's mostly FUD, all this SEC stuff. I think, uh, you know, they're a multi, you know, they have, I'm sure their legal team is like humongous and they have the best lawyers out there. So they know what they're doing. I'm sure they would have not you know, release the ApeCoin, ape like making sure they're completely tied to the back um, or other side in Metaverse. But 
you know, that also takes a long time, right? So I think people have less patience in this space. So the fact that, you know, we haven't heard anything on the other side is kind of, you know, a little bit bearish for people. But, you know, listen, I'm holding my quota bags and my land bags, uh, and, you know, maybe I'll DC a little bit more. Uh, but that's that's one part, right? Um, now, I think what's what there's a few things I think we're going to see. I think the future of NFTs is not going to, of course, it's going to be gaming. I think that's like a no-brainer, but I think a lot of it is going to be the how NFTs are utilized um, to solve a lot of world's everyday things, or not not problems, but make things easier. So we're going to see a lot of like brand, like a lot of utility of NFTs used across the board. So that you're seeing Starbucks doing with like reward system. Uh, I think McDonald's is doing something. Facebook is doing it. Uh, we just seen the Nike swoosh thing. So I think we're going to see a lot of utility and like infrastructure built around NFTs and a lot of onboarding from that uh, rather than like, I don't think you're going to ever see the, the you know, like board Ape kind of like uh, hitting like 500K from like $500 kind of thing. Uh, but you'll see a lot of like the NFT space just have general onboarding and like people come in and maybe they'll result in more volume so that all these classic PFP projects kind of go up or digital art or stuff like that go up. Um, now, when it comes to just just uh, the top projects, right, I think, you know, this is an example I always give and it's very important for the NFT and the general crypto uh, world in general. Uh, if you look at the 1800s, there were around 950 um, automobile companies, fully functional automobile companies. They all were ready to make cars and they all were going to be the next big thing. In the end, after 200 years, only three survived. Chrysler, GM, and Ford. Okay, so That's out of 953. In 19, in 2000, in, uh, I think it was 1999 or 2000, Q1, uh, over 400 companies IPO'd, and they all went 5 to 10x uh, on uh, the NASDAQ and stuff like that and S&P. Uh, out of those, zero companies from that quarter uh, exist right now. So we're going to see consolidation, like which we're seeing in crypto market. We see, I think it's only going to be like maybe three blockchains that will exist in five years. So we'll see more blockchains go down. Like we've seen AVAX is kind of mostly done, but maybe there's still stuff going on. But, you know, Luna's gone. And we'll see a couple more blockchains kind of go under um, and others will come up and then some will go under and, you know, stuff like that. And I think we're going we're to see the same for NFTs. I think in the end, when it comes to these like PFP or, you know, these core, like the ones that will survive, they're going to be the well-capitalized ones. That's why I'm not too worried about board apes and stuff like that because they're so well-capitalized that it doesn't matter. They'll they have to they'll just survive everyone by just existing longer because nobody else will be able to. But for me, you know, my portfolio, like obviously, you know, obviously like a Bordeaux ape exposure clones, I think are phenomenal. I think you know they're very well capitalized, given backed by Nike and owned by Nike. Um, and then obviously, like you know, you then you have like you know the the ones like that will be I think the next like uh, you know takeover like. Like, I think there's definitely a huge vacuum now. Like, Doodles have kind of, like, dwindled away a little bit. They haven't had much going on. Um, they also have the worst, like, uh, PR team because they do their biggest announcements during the worst of times. I don't know why, but, you know, not to say I don't like Doodles, but it's just funny how that always happens. But I think Pudgy is definitely, you know, my one of my third or fourth biggest bag is... Uh, uh, pudgy penguins and you know it's i think luca's doing a phenomenal job you know I've, i remember when luca took over you know we had a, a call after and 
he just wanted you know just wanted to chat and you know it was it was just amazing to get a breath of fresh air like how uh you know how committed he was and how he wanted to do something different like it wasn't like he was trying to do the same old uh you know nft thing like you know oh here's some more march here's some of this here's some of that like same shit it's like all right he's trying to do something different like you know to his skills right like so toys you know with the children's books uh community you know and if, i mean pudgy lore is just like infinite lore in this, this space there's no reason that these guys you know pudgy shouldn't be at like 10e plus so i think it will be eventually in time you know it's going to take a little bit of time uh it's obviously you know a pretty rough market and the fact that pudgies are still sitting above two eat i don't even know where they are now but uh if we eat maybe i forget but anyways i mean it's pretty phenomenal so i like you know it's it's still a little bit high risk you know in you know it's uh uh with all the great stuff uh, doing which which means that there's a high reward as well right so with, if you go buy a board ape you're gonna buy it for say 50 eat uh at the best you're gonna get maybe 75 eat it gets to maybe 100 maybe i doubt it but maybe it gets there but like you know with pudges you buy it say two and a half free eat or two eat wherever it is you, you know at least you have a potential upside to seven eight like at least a free four x right so it's kind of like a like a soft blue chip with a very strong potential for blue chip so you have a much higher upside but like at the same time like it's kind of sits very stable uh the the holders are just like i mean if you guys been i mean most of you guys been around for, with pudgies from like day one and it's like the stuff that pudgies have gone through and then capitulate it's you know they're not going to capitulate now right like like these are like like people are just gonna hold these like things forever. Like it's just part of your history owning pudgies, especially if we were in from like day one. So I think you know pudgies definitely have a lot of lot of potential. Um, but other than that, I think you know I think Moonbirds has some potential, but it's kind of dwindled away. I think maybe they'll try and make a push again. Um, but other than that, like you know maybe obviously there's obviously pure art that's always gonna be around like one of ones and stuff like that. But uh, you know, I think I think that's just like more niche, right? Now a lot of that stuff's fungible too. Like you get like the real world stuff uh, for it, so maybe it doesn't really count in 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 general. But yeah, there's there's a lot of other little projects too. Like you know, there's people doing like um, what's the, what's that pill one? Um, I think it's called EYL like pills. pills. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. I think they're doing shout like shout out Flip Drago. Yeah, they're, yeah, they're so doing yeah, pill. Those guys are doing some cool. There's all these like cool projects, with like obviously risky, but it seems like they're building and using their money in a smart way. Um, so yeah, I'm, I'm sure if you look around, you can find some cool projects that have the upside still. Uh, I think there's, I think that uh, this free to own stuff with like Digidaiku, I have no exposure other than you know Etor Orcs. They have a partnership, but I think they're doing some pretty cool shit and getting a lot of exposure. And you know, he's got Gabe is a. He's a pretty crazy uh, founder and CEO, but he's loud and, you know, being a loud CEO helps. Oh, I also like the Rug Radio guys, you know, they're doing some pretty cool stuff, a niche product, you know, uh, having a leader like uh, Farouk, who's also loud, helps a lot. You want to have somebody like that, you know, if you look at projects that do really well, you want to have like a leader who's like kind of a little bit like narcissistic, uh, a little bit like, you know, out there and constantly shilling, like, People think like if you're shilling too much, it's not good. But I don't think that's the case. I think it's very good. Like like I always shill my shit nonstop, and people like, yo, can you stop? But you know what? This constant volume running from like every time I tweet, the massive volume comes up in my projects. Um, so I even the same thing. Like if you look at Gabe, who's running Digidaiku, every time he like you know shills on his like he just shamelessly shills, and it's amazing. Like his community loves him because he's like, yo, please keep shilling. So. 
I don't know. I think it's pretty cool. But, you know, maybe we can get Luca to chill more. You know, just keep, <laughs> keep chilling. <laughs> but, yeah, okay, whatever. I think whatever Pachi is doing is working well. I don't want to mess with that. But, yeah. Awesome. I mean, one thing you said here, and, Wilson, I don't know if you want to respond to this, but he said AVAX is going to die. And I remember <laughs> not two weeks ago being chilled on AVAX, Wilson. No, no, I don't think it's going <laughs> to die. I think it does not have the market share, obviously, as it once did. It's it's the it's it's also the 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 downside to having a very loud leader that pushes it up is also you have massive key man risk, right? So why did Avax go down? Because who was the biggest shiller of Avax? It was Three AC, it was Zushu and Kyle Davis. They're the ones who basically built Avax out. Same thing with Solana, right? Like who was the biggest shiller of Solana? SBF. I mean, I think Solana has more maybe some maybe some more infrastructure like definitely a bigger nft uh infrastructure than avax did um or you know than other chains but the, obviously luna same thing right like it's yeah it's it's it, that's what it comes down to so like the reason i think avax and you know it's funny i have a pretty decent avax position still uh from back in the day i just haven't sold it but i think it's more to do that um these were just so key man risked when they were coming up. That's why I feel comfortable with like Ethereum, right? Like, like you know, it, God forbid something happens to Vitalik, it's not really going to affect Ethereum price as much, right? Like, it's not like like I don't even know last time Vitalik actually probably sat down and coded anything on uh, Ethereum, right? Like he probably just now he's just more like a you know like a spokesperson for just crypto and blockchain like he mostly just talks about governance i don't even talk think he talks about ethereum like the last few times i hear him talk was just about governance and decentralized governance so i think you know that's the problem with, that i thought i had with avax is i think it's gonna be very tough for it to get its old market share back because it was so dependent on free ac shilling it that uh it's or maybe it'll take a while you know it might come back it might just take a little while 100 percent Relic with the hand up. What's up, Board Ape or Mutinate? Moose, how you doing, man? Let's go, Relic, bro, bro. I'll be honest, dude. Every time after the IRL event with you and seeing this crowd, I I get more bullish on pudgies, and I don't own one. I'm thinking instead of ripping another ape, I just buy twenty of these bad boys, man. This community blows my mind sometimes. Yeah, <laughs> uh, <laughs> yeah, but I told you I come out to. The- to support uh wiz is actually someone i do i really like his tweets so seeing you two together in one room that got me excited i was really happy um so yeah wiz i just came up for uh, a question for you um you know one of the reasons i sold my board ape and a lot of my other bags other than uh, funny enough my bio pills that got me really excited that you like those because i'm holding on to those for dear life but um yeah, so I sold my ape. The only reason I have a mutant is was to get into Ape Fest. And I've been kind of sitting on the sidelines, mostly just in, in stables. Um, and I was kind of waiting for this event, not the event that happened this week. You can't really predict a Black Swan event in general. But I just wanted to know your thoughts on uh, the macro environment and the market. I mean, we're seeing a huge possible problem uh, with tech, another mini, you know, micro tech bubble. Uh, we got real estate. We got so many different things going on. And this is really having 2008 vibes. Do you think we're going to see uh, a relief pump before, you know, maximum pain uh, ahead uh, coming into Q1, Q2 of next year? And then that's when the real buying frenzy should begin when when everyone's at max panic or do you think we've already seen those levels? 
So, um, you know, let's let's kind of you know take a look at like where we are and where we were, right? So we had. Um, so the way I look at the market, I kind of, like, you know, go back to like first principle, right? Like the first principle of all markets is interest rates um, and interest rates, you know, like I think, you know, you can look at a two year, 10 year, 30 year, right? Uh, so two year U.S. interest rate is kind of what mostly people have been looking as a proxy for what's going on with the Fed, with inflation, stuff like that. So for now. Um, we are pretty far away from peak rate, right? So think about the dollar as well, right? It's all It all starts, everything, stocks, crypto, everything starts from the two-year rate and then kind of, you know, goes back from there, right? Whether it's tech stocks, it doesn't matter because that's all the discounting factor uh, you're going to use is interest rate. So I think for now, interest rates have hit the high. Um, now, what what can change this? Uh, data, right? And then the only data that kind of matters is inflation-related data. Um, so if the reason we're pumping so much, right? Like, so I mentioned we had the biggest two-day stock rally in, like, 15 years uh, last week and, like, 10% plus, right? And that happened because we had a CPI that came in lower than expected in a long time and came in pretty aggressively lower. So the market repriced the hikes that the Fed will do in December from 75 to 50. Um, now, the question is, you know, what will make this uh, kind of stick? Like, what makes sure that this is not a bear market rally like we had in June, Right. And what makes that happen is more data. That's the only way, that's the only thing that tells us we're going to go bad or worse. And there's no way for me to like, like I can just, I can't speculate, right? Like I don't know what, like it's a random event. Like I don't know what the data will be next month or so tomorrow we have PPI in the morning, like price producer index. And that's a, that's a really big data point too, 8.30 a.m. EST. And that's going to dictate a lot with the market too. Um, and then you have PCE at the end of the month and housing data, labor data. So the way it's going on in the market, so I, I, I can't, so it's very tough for me to say what's going to happen, but I can tell you the scenarios uh, depending on what happens. So if we get um, a, a, a weak uh, PPI number in the morning tomorrow, we'll rally more. Uh, so these are traditional markets I'm talking about, okay? So stock markets, bond markets, stuff like that. Uh, which should in turn, you know, result in support uh, to the crypto market. Obviously, crypto market's taken a beating. I don't know when it'll really like rally, rally, but at least it'll make sure it doesn't go to like 500 or even a thousand. You know what I mean? Um, so we so we got the PPI. Then we got housing. Now, if housing's really bad, that's bullish because um, that means that the Fed uh, Fed's work is going on. So housing means that we're gonna we're seeing less demand, which means inflation is gonna go lower. Now you see labor, which is like a lot of layoffs and stuff are happening, but we haven't really seen that in the labor data yet. But so next month, so next Friday of the month, we'll see the next labor data. If that comes really bad, so say the labor is getting really bad, unemployment is going really high, that's very bullish as well because um, the Fed is gonna be like, hey. Uh, the labor is kind of breaking. Uh, that means there's potential for inflation to come down. That means we can kind of slow down on hiking this aggressively, which net net will send markets up. Because remember, the markets are very are all forward looking. So if you start seeing it getting really bad out there, means it's basically bottomed out already. So if you look at like 2008, a great financial crisis, the market recovery started in like fall of 2009. 
right? It did not start like the the recession really ended. I would say maybe twenty eleven or something like when like like two thousand nine two thousand ten was like peak bad. Like like pe- people were down really bad at that time, right? But that's when the market because markets are always forward looking. So I think it'll get. I think like the you'll see more layoffs. I think you'll see like things get really bad all around. But the the market will be moving up way before that. Like like right now things are really bad, but stocks just put the biggest two day rally right now again this could be a bear market rally uh and that's why we have to be data dependent so what i would do if you know i'm gonna kind of figure out like if i should go all in like this literally i think i was chatting with luca about this uh like a couple days ago and uh you know people always ask me like is this the bottom end like should i should i go all in like i can't tell you that because the way i'm gonna go more in is if i see more data points so if i see two three good data points then i go all in because then i'm pretty confident that the fed is going to be like okay we're seeing inflation you know trending lower and we're going to relax because powell could just come out like tomorrow and or like whenever he speaks next and be like yeah we don't care about one inflation data this means nothing this is premature we're going to still hike aggressively and then the entire market is going to get destroyed right so you you put in a little bit in the new dca that's that stuff's fine but you don't go all in i think you go all in when you see two free data points that come in good now yes you're going to miss out on maybe another 10 percent, 15 percent rally maybe 20 percent rally but at least you'll catch because uh, when it if you get free data points down and the Fed says like okay uh, we're gonna take slow down our hikes we're gonna take a pause maybe um, and you know the the then you're gonna spend the next couple months rallying like literally the market's gonna rally like every fucking month for like months ahead because you'll then you'll be back in like basically a soft bull market so uh, yes you will miss the initial part. Uh, but you'll at least be able to catch the upside. So if you're looking to invest right now uh, or put like stables to work, I think I would wait for more data to come out. I think uh, if you wanted to like, you know, a front run what has happened, uh, the time was like, like, you know, a week ago or two weeks ago because now the market's moved a lot. Uh, but, you know, you can always DCA in, down too. But I would, would, so the data points I would look for is PPI tomorrow, uh, housing data during the week, uh, PCE at the end of the month, uh, labor the first Friday of next month, and then CPI. And then obviously FOMC, like anytime Powell talks, I would like, you know, uh, see what he talks about. And then once those are done, then I, I would have a better like idea. Now, my gut feeling, and this is speculation, and, you know, obviously th- I have to take risk as like a head, you know, obviously I have a hedge fund and I have to take risk on that and take risk on my output, own portfolio. Um, now, my risk I'm taking is that I do think that we have, you know, come close to hitting a bottom or maybe close to it in traditional markets. Um, and I think we do see weaker CPI data over the next two months. Now, again, this is just speculation. Uh, but the way I'm positioning is, you know, I'm just b- trying to buy a couple. Like I put in like, you know, 10, 20% of my stables into stocks uh, and crypto too as well, just because, you know, it's so low. And I'm kind of having like a like a two to three month outlook minimum. Uh, but again, it's, you know, like I'm putting into like like Disney, uh, a couple of like growth stocks, but mostly like safe stuff. And then just like NASDAQ ETFs and stuff like that. And then bonds, gold, stuff like that. Like like real yields are something that you invest in first when like the market turns. So real yields is like inflation protected yield. So that would be, uh, so gold is basically like a infinite maturity, real yield, zero coupon bond. Um, so stuff like that. So it's kind of safe. But, uh, you know, you still t- I still need to take some risk for my own stuff. So that's kind of the way I'm positioning myself. 
Yeah, and and I had no intentions on going going all in right now because my thesis is we're we're far from the worst. Now I, I got my a lot of my own thoughts on it, and that's why I was kind of interested in hearing what you had to say. But there's something that I, I want to tag you on, uh, you know, and maybe you can respond later because I would love to see your thoughts on it. So one thing that I did do is, and obviously, you know, uh, 2022 is not 2008. Everything happens for different reasons, and and we know uh, you we can only look for trends, but trends don't tell all uh, as different times are different times. But if you take the 2006 to 2008 uh, uh, S&P chart and throw it over our chart from right now for the past two years, it is on an identical, like it is crazy. It is force feeding. The lines are almost overlapped perfectly. And from 2008, it was the next few months after this point when we saw like a 60% drop off and then that rebound that you started talking about in, in the 2008, 2009 fall going, going on from there. But even that point lasted uh, a few years to come back. So uh, I'll, I'll shoot you a tag on that. And then I would, I just, yeah, no, no, I've seen, I've seen that chart. It's I, there's so many times in my discord, people post that. So it's, it's, that's possible, right? So if, but that's the thing, it's, it's possible, but at the same time, it's also possible that it doesn't happen, right? Because so what, what will make that happen? The only thing that can make that happen is CPI coming in bad again. So this CPI was nominally, which is definitely possible. It's possible that we get the next CPI number and it ends up spiking up aggressively. It's like we see core inflation, which is like, you know, rent prices, uh, used car sales, airline prices, stuff like that spikes up like crazy. And then, yeah, that would absolutely like if we had the next three months um, core CPI comes in even 0.2 to 0.3 percent worse every month, and you have labor data that comes in very strong, like like say like 50 to 100,000 jobs beat every month. 100 percent, we're gonna probably correct at least I would say um, a 50, maybe 50, 10 to 15 percent minimum per month uh, on stocks alone. Like we'll reverse the entire like, you know, 10, 12% move we saw in the last week. Um, yeah, 100%. But that's 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 what will take us lower is that you need to have CPI come in. So then you have to be like, okay, then you think that we have not peaked on inflation, that we have not uh, peaked on month over month, year over year. Uh, that's, that's, the, that's the only thing that will take, I mean, obviously, there's definitely black swan events possible, but that's the only thing that will take us down. But if labor breaks, because remember, the Fed has a dual mandate, right? Like the dual mandate is um, inflation, that they have to lower inflation, but they have the second big mandate, which is employment. So if labor gets really bad, then they have to start slowing down because they cannot have a situation where unemployment rate gets really bad because that's a hard landing and they're trying to avoid that completely. Like they've been very vocal about that. So people know that's the reason that any bad news on labor is good news for the market is because the Fed has made it very clear that if labor breaks, they're going to slow down or pause. So the only thing that can make the market get worse from here is if labor gets really, really good. So they'll be like, okay, we'll keep hiking. And if CPI keeps ticking up, other than that, like, I mean, yeah, if that happens for sure, we'll tank. And if it doesn't happen, it will go up. So now which one will happen or will not happen? I don't know. That's why I wait to see the data and then I absorb the data and make my decisions fast and quick and accordingly. Um, but that's that's kind of how you have to play the game, right? Because if you do anything else, you could, you know, you're just, you just flip a coin and who knows what will happen. 
Well, my, my last question for you then would be is uh, something that's a little different about history in comparison to now is we're not really looking just at the United States. We have global, uh, global economic problems going on in, you know, all the different countries here. Now, do you do you ever worry or foresee if something major happened in any of the other, you know, countries uh, that that could have a huge adverse effect on us as well? Yeah, so... Uh- uh, agree. So there's, there's so there's always geopolitical issues. So the one nice thing that's happened over the last, I would say, five years after, like 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 think like trade war, like when Trump was having the trade war with China. One of the things that's happened since then, or maybe like even a little bit earlier, is that USA has decoupled from the rest of the world when it comes to markets very aggressively. Um, so even when you had Ukraine going on, you had like maybe a few days of the market kind of dumping like stocks and stuff. And then it just kind of shrugged it off. And you've seen this kind of time and again. Um, I think the only thing that would have like a significant impact on U.S. markets from a geopolitical issue would be some significant U.S.-China tensions, like trade war type of tensions again. So like maybe like some stuff with Taiwan, uh, some issues in the South China Sea. Uh, but other than that, like, you know, like look at like Europe, like US doesn't care about anything that happens in Europe. Uh, US kind of doesn't care about anything that happens in like Japan, Australia, any of that. Uh, the only time US markets kind of have some impact is if there's any issues between US and China per se. But even that's kind of decoupled a little bit. If anything, China has been under so much stress uh, because they they locked down again, right? And if you saw like a couple of weeks ago, we had this big rally in stock market and it was primarily because China was easing um, lockdowns and like uh, rules uh, around that. And they were going to, you know, uh, open things up more. So you saw this big pump in uh, energy prices, uh, oil, stuff like that. And then like, you know, for high fashion goods like Louis Vuitton stocks and all that shit like started pumping because China was opening again. But yeah, I mean, I think the only thing for a geopolitical scenario, obviously, you know, black, not just assuming no World War Three, black swan um, is primarily that. Yeah, if you have something significant with China, I think you'll see some pressure. Uh, but then you can just go back to like the trade war days. Like you need, it needs to be that bad for it to have a significant issue on the market. But uh, I don't see that really happening because we don't really have a president that's gonna like kind of kind of fight against like uh, other countries. Like back then, you were having issues because you know Trump would tweet out like you know fuck China and all that shit, and the market would just like you know take hit. But uh, I don't think you know you're gonna see Biden say anything like that anytime soon. So I, I think geopolitically, you know, U.S. is decoupled quite a bit. Because uh, remember, U.S. U.S. dollar has been the best hedge for inflation out of any asset uh, in the last year, which is pretty incredible. But yeah, I gotta uh, say, every time you say, every time you say PPI, I think you're uh, asking me a question. Uh, but other than that, relic, thanks for the question, man. Uh, before I toss to something that's up pinned by uh, child Tecmo Bo, welcome to the stage. Hey. Yeah, hey, Wiz, I just had a question as somebody who runs a non-speculative project. I heard you talking about how, uh, you know, it's, it's easy for people outside of this space to understand a non-speculative pro- uh, project that's just like purely utility-based. And uh, I've found that to be true, but I've also found the, the flip side to be true, that it it actually becomes a little more 
tedious to try to get people from within the space uh, who are kind of crypto native to understand a non-speculative project. Like, hey, this thing is just a really awesome deal and you get like a physical product and you get to be a part of a community that loves that product and like, you know, you don't have to worry about all the speculation, number go up, number go down, just like you get an awesome product that's like crafted with, you know, skill and love and you get to enjoy it with people who enjoy it. It's almost like that's a hard thing for people to get sometimes. Uh, so if you notice the same um, and, and it kind of... Yeah, yeah it, man. You guys have the coffee project, that. right? Is that your project? Yes, yeah, yeah, I don't know if you heard you, but yeah, it's Zero X Coffee. Oh, yeah, yeah, that's a cool project. Yeah, see, that's the thing. I think that is, these are the projects that are going to be the future. That's what I was saying. The next wave of NFT adoption is going to be utilities of NFTs uh, in this form. Um, now, obviously, that's like, like of course, I'm where, you know, that's something uh, I've had to deal with a lot, uh, you know, in in uh, in my space because uh you know like we haven't minted out yet right like we've minted around like 1500 maybe uh but yeah it's it takes a lot of education because it's a non it's really i mean it's kind of speculation long term uh but like short term it's not like you know like a like a heavy pump high project there's a lot of education there's a lot of like you know literally like have people like taste the wine uh once they drink the wine once they see like the properties same as yours i'm sure once they drink the coffee and stuff like that they're gonna be like holy shit this is pretty cool but you know what i mean it's it's a it takes a little bit more work but i do think like you know this really will be the second wave like when the next wave of nfts happen like say within the next two years like or like maybe in the next year i think next two years is a long time but in the next year we'll see that next big wave of nft utility uh, projects getting pushed and then i think like projects like ours will be the ones that like pioneer and like are the settlers for like the next wave that comes in because like that's that's really what's going to take um nfts to the next level and you're kind of seeing that right like you're seeing that with large brands and corporations that are coming into the space um the ones that are failing are usually the ones that are doing like some kind of pfp project but if you just focus on like you know like stuff like brand loyalty um just good like you know physical stuff or like like any like like where you're really like engaging your community or even building a community i think that's the kind of stuff that's gonna be like the next big wave but it's it's really not gonna be like the, the enjoyers of that are gonna be like of course people who enjoy the actual utility but i think they're gonna see a slow increase like like what's a great example i found was like actually like kind of like a rug radio right um and they're like very unique right like it's like a media thing uh, kind of different. Like, I haven't really seen any other project like that. But they were, like, really low. Like, I think they were below mint for, like, the longest time. And, they, they, you know, then they got money in from other projects, from partnerships, stuff like that, VC investment or, you know, whatever that may be. But, like, in the same way, like, think about it at some point. Like, say, like, if Inco goes for a VC investment and we're like, okay, no, we don't really want a VC investment. We're just, you know, community run and, you know, we're just going to focus on raising money for our community. VCs are going to be like, listen, I want to have web free. Like, say you're like a big, like, you know, wine and spirits company and you're like, there's no point for them like like a wine spirits company or any big company is never gonna rebuild um the entire thing from scratch they'll always acquire same for coffee right let's say some coffee brand or some food brand is like yo i want to have exposure in this they're better off acquiring a company rather than um you know 
build it all from scratch, right? Like this, this is just like business one on one. Like big companies will always acquire first. So say they come to like us, right? And they're like, uh, hey, like we want to acquire a company, and you're like, no. But they're like, okay, we need to have exposure. So what are they going to do? This is exactly what I've seen happen with a couple other projects where they'll just go like the VCs will just go buy the NFTs. Like literally, they'll be like, okay, we we're going to put like fifty thousand dollars into your project anyways. We'll just go buy fifty thousand dollars worth of your NFTs. And just hold on to it and get the exposure that way. And that happens time and time again. I've noticed with a lot of projects that get VC investment, or if they say no to VC investment, that's how VCs get invested. And I think, you know, that, that's fine. I think it's just going to take some time with projects like this, like yours, like mine, uh, where you, you know, it'll take some time for people to kind of understand and enjoy it. And yeah, that just means that we have to grind more. And it's fun, right? Like, like how are we grinding more? We're like partnering up with projects, like we're partnering up with you guys. I mean, we're going to come there, me and keyboard and like serve wine. Like who wants to do that? Like if people just want to put like a PFP project, cash grab a ton of money. But if you really want to push the space forward, uh, you know, you have to grind it out. Like you have to put like, like literally, like I remember when we in NFT NYC, like we were serving wine, like, you know, like Daniela, she was there. She was like being keyboard monkey. Like and all of these guys were there, like the rug radio guys, OSF, Mando, they all came out. And, like, literally, I was, like, serving wine, like, pouring people glasses, telling them what they think, chatting about it. And they all loved it, right? And they, they now they're going to be, like, they don't, none of those people in the community care about the price going up or down. They're just like, listen, we're enjoying wine, having a good time. And that's kind of it. And if it goes up, perfect. That's a huge bonus. And I think it'll happen like that in time. Like, we'll see, you know, the long-term uh, disruptors in the space uh, of utility kind of push it in that way. And, uh, and I think at the end of the day, we'll be the, we'll have the longer lasting staying power uh, because we'll have built the community, you know, around the product and as owners rather than consumers of uh, some speculative art. Wiz, uh, I don't know if you've seen the post that's pinned to the top, but child, we have this uh, text message thread that we've been like going back and forth on and some news just broke about SBF, about the random tweets he's doing apparently it has to do with tweet deleter and everyone's talking about it right now child's been doing some digging what's up child yeah this shit is crazy i mean like you know it wilson and i were just talking about this like i think at one point like i thought sbf was just you know this do-gooder you know maybe he screwed up maybe something happened along the way i mean just every new piece of evidence that comes out just you know shows that there's malintent here and this is you know i guess the concept right is that you have bots that run queries every minute or so to see if somebody who's a big crypto Twitter account deletes a tweet. And so the concept is that if you tweet a, you know, a tweet within a minute of you deleting another tweet, that bot might miss the fact that your tweet count changed. And so, you know, what he's doing by tweeting these long threads or, you know, H, then A, then P, then P, then like, you know, the, the letters is that it gives him the opportunity to delete tweets. And so if you actually click on that thread that we pinned up top, you can see some examples of what he tweeted. So like things like, yeah, we do have $1 billion in excess cash or, you know, tweeting it's CZ saying, yeah, I'd love it if we could work together. Like those types of tweets. So it's it's really just like, I mean, you know, everybody says the cover up is worse than the crime, but like we're seeing it in real, you know, real time here. So it's pretty crazy. Yeah, but you know, what's the point of him deleting? Like I'm sure Elon would just give all his historical tweets like everything to the feds in like one ask like it, that's so stupid to like even trying no i totally i mean i i agree but it's it, i mean he's also it, an, there's a, some... SPF's an idiot so who knows 
Yeah, it's... I mean, there's there's something to be said for like maybe he's you know drugged out, thinking he's making a difference right now. I mean, I the amateur say. the amateur nature of the criminality is what what offends me the most. It's like a script kitty getting away with ten billion dollars. I mean, if you're gonna do this, at least be professional about it. Not the joke, but rap bastard. Yeah, it's like he's leaving a trail of even more evidence by doing this. You know. If he's doing this, then he's basically saying these tweets are incriminating, in my opinion. So, uh, I, he's everybody's punching bag right now, and well deserved, in my opinion. Hey guys, I got what's up, Riley? What's up, man? Uh, so, um, I guess following a little, a lot of this SPF space, as well as some of the uh, kind of ongoings with FTX, looking at that and kind of seeing how that uh, just has ripple effects throughout the crypto ecosphere and kind of the impacts that it has on the industry and the future outlook by some of the large institutions. I mean, just seeing like like lots of institutions kind of be involved in this and what kind of knock on effect do you guys see with that from like a, I mean, not even just a like business feasibility standpoint for a lot of these newer projects, as well as uh, how are kind of uh, the institutions that lend as well as, provide sell side data and such to uh, for these kind of newer firms impact kind of the future of the crypto sphere. I mean, it, it, it seems so negative from my standpoint. And I mean, putting a pin on what year this is going to truly bounce back is kind of like waving a finger in the air right now. Just curious on what you guys kind of think about the future ripples that this is going to cause for I guess newer projects. Oh, I'm too dumb to field that question. I'll talk to the ways. I mean, future ripple. The main is going to be regulation, right? And it's going to be very tough for anybody to trust anyone again. And like, uh, like if there's anybody who comes to power, like the way SBF did, um, I think it's good to to have like healthy skepticism. Um, and not trust people as much. Like, you know, like, look when, like, Lehman Brothers and stuff went down, or, like, even Enron, right? Like, like these were humongous, you know, market capitulations, and, you know, we kind of came back from all of that, you know, just make people trust people, you know, trust people less, and that's fine. That means, you know, uh, trust but verify, whatever the famous saying is, just um, don't trust but verify, is that what it is? Whatever. But it's, you know, it's just making sure, you know, well, definitely, the ripple, the major ripple effect will be regulation, I, I hope. Um, and the second will just be, you know, maybe more use of, uh, at least the way the market's moving, more use of decentralized products, more use of uh, you know, hardware wallets and stuff like that, that just, you know, net net will keep people safe, more security, um, not your keys, not your coin will get emphasized even more. Um, but yeah, I think, but you know, I'll tell you in like five years from now, I'm sure we'll be having this exact same, you know, uh, spaces talking about about somebody else scammed again, like, and it'll all... be a hundred billion dollars instead yeah, exactly. of ten. It's, it's cyclical, yeah. like you it's said back cyclical. in the beginning. Yeah, exactly. This shit will just happen again and again, and it's fine. Market will dump. You know, who knows? Maybe at that point we'll be at like five k and dump to like three k, and we're gonna be like, okay, world's over right now. And you know, it's like this. Shit, like I remember, like when doing COVID and stuff, we dumped to like. 400 300 i don't even remember like it used to be insane like 
you know, even a few years back, like it, like if it was like twelve hundred, even if it was a price of ETH was about a thousand dollars, it was like the greatest fucking thing ever. So, like, it just I don't know. Maybe I'm just numb to it. Like, I feel like it's like, oh damn, price is still like pretty great. So, yeah, it is what it is. Well, that's the perspective you get from being around for a couple of these cycles, right? You get to see the, the yeah, of course, turn. of course. But that's the thing, right? Now all the people who have gone through this now, like their OG status, right? Like they have, they've been through it. Like this is all tuition you pay to the market, right? And you learn from it. So everyone who's going through this has like a level of education that they got from the market, and they paid for it. But that's okay. But that's how it works. That's just literally how the, you have to always pay your tuition to the market and that's how you learn and you know you learn from it and you take what you can get and you hope to not make those mistakes ever again like let's not keep it on random exchanges let's keep majority of our money on harder wallets or safe wallets or whatever we can and you know that's that's just how it is Wiz, i'm gonna ask you a, a random question now but is there any chance that you rap ever <laughs> do i rap you know what's yeah. so funny when I was like, uh, when I was like, I came, you know, from, um, I grew up in India and then I moved to Canada and for some reason, you know, I was just like a, a small little fat kid in this like white school in Can like a Catholic school in Canada. Um, for some reason, I don't know what it was. Maybe I was a huge Eminem fan and I was so close to Detroit cause like I grew up like, uh, I moved when I was like 16 to Canada and it's like in Windsor, which is like literally five minutes from detroit like across the border um and i was always a big eminem fan but yeah i used to like we used to have these rap battles i should just challenge random people to like rap battles at school it was pretty funny get but, out of here there's a very specific reason i was asking that <laughs> it's because why is that uh, because so we have the penguin princesses we're like a women's networking group within the the penguin community and we do these spaces um that we call igloo tales and they're all they're kind of created around you know the storytelling nfts concept and we have a rap battle on friday and so the the format it's like formatted in a very specific way so that we can encourage other people to participate but we're basically using that mickey avalon song my dick which is if nobody knows, it's basically like, you know, one person kind of like talking about how great I'm just going to I hope it's OK that I'm saying this on this basis, but talking <laughs> about on, how great their on. dick is and then, like, and then talking about how like ratioing the other person's. But we're changing it to my pang and we're going to make it. Yep. <laughs> exactly. Not here, PP. Not here. Yeah, sorry about that. Um, so it's really it's really easy um, to participate because it's basically like you just kind of like have to make a joke, but like the rhythm is there and the setup is there and it's, it's super fun. Our spaces have been really fun. We've had a bunch of like creatives on and um, I hinted, we, we hinted at this in the post, but Diane Neal from law and order, she was on our first Igloo tales and she's going to be joining us too. Cause she's just like super excited about it and wants to hang with us. Um, so it'd be great if you could join on Friday at four o'clock. You left them speechless. I guess so. Damn. Wait, sorry. <laughs> oh, wait, I'm not, I'm not. I'm not rap battling though. That just. I mean, listen. My haters already have too much ammo on me. I'm not giving them more. But I'll come hang out. Okay, cool. Awesome. I'll rap battle, Danielle. Awesome. <laughs> I, I yeah, enjoy style, and and I'll put some alpha out there. You'll never be able to find it, but there is a single I dropped. What? Year of high school, sitting on YouTube somewhere. 
Please. Not gonna say the name, but I really ripped the government a new one in that one. And All right, I gotta find You were this. kind of. I think a big deal. you know. I think we saw institutional change from it. But uh, <laughs> bring it. Yeah, yeah. I'll definitely be there. But awesome. uh, on that note, Wiz, uh, you you ready to pick the winner for this giveaway? Yeah, you guys pick, man, and I'll just uh, send me the oh, address and I'll just send it to the bro. This is gonna be very anticlimactic. I have Twitter picker. Uh, rolled up here. Someone's gonna give me a drum roll, maybe PP. Yeah, I'll give and, you something better. You know what I'm gonna pick. Yeah, yeah. Give me, give me a little something. So everybody listening, we are gonna be doing the drawing for the Invico Wine Dow piece that Wizard of Soho has generally generously opted to give away tonight. The details are in the uh, pin tweet at the top. I'll go ahead and. And repin it up there for you guys. Enter in now. We're going to give you 25 seconds. All you got to do is retweet that tweet. Comment. Tag a couple people. And I'm not saying it helps. But it can't hurt. Follow everyone on stage. Especially our guest. Wizard of Soho. We're going to get into this. Further ado. Oh, you got to be in the audience too, by the way. All right, cut the music, Peepee. It's so good, though. I know it, it is really good. Really takes me back to middle school. Um, the fates have rolled the die, and uh, they've come up in favor of Quex, Blue Heart, Orange Heart, Quex, Quex, two hundred five, Quex. Are you in here? Let's go, Quex! Quex is in here. I see him. Request, request, bro. request. It's like the first time we've uh, we've picked somebody yeah. who was in yeah, the space. The first pick, the first time, the first pick was in here. Quex, request. I need to I'm not, uh, yeah, I'm check not gonna... his ID when he comes up here. Make sure he's good. <laughs> no, nah, I'm not going to put him through the gambit of he has to be actively listening. Although that does help, Quex, because you could have gotten on here, shilled something. I don't know. Um, but reach out to me or one of the other co-hosts with your ETH address. We'll make sure that gets over to Wiz. And congratulations on winning. And uh, Wiz, thanks for joining us, man. Yeah, this man, was this insightful. Was yeah, love, uh, love Pudgies, man. It's it's like one of my, I think one of my first, I think it was like the first or second NFT uh, I ever had was the Wizard hat. Uh, Pudgy, so my Pudgy love goes back to like mint days, so it's all good. I love you guys. Yeah, this was an honor, bro, because I've been following you for a while on your Instagram. And... Wizard, I oh, love really? You. Damn, so you've been following for a while. Wow, yeah, Instagram, that's where I started up, but yeah, no, oh, dude, I'm in the whole, mine, I'm in the whole Fin Meme page. Oh, the okay, whole Fin Meme group, yeah. yeah, actually, agent real estate page on there. <laughs> that makes I sense. just want to come in here and say. Thank you, every single person who stayed and listened and learned something. We had an absolute genius on here. <laughs> Dude, Wizard of Soho, you are a legend. I, the entire time, I'm like, wow, I need to educate myself more. So uh, it was so awesome to hear from you. Thank you for all the co-hosts. Thank you for everybody listening again. So, so legendary. We, we run these spaces every single Monday, 8 p.m. Eastern. Um, we're going to kill this. Like We're going to keep doing this. We're going to keep having the best time. And we appreciate everybody that just shows up and shows out. And I am my penguin, and my penguin is me. 
I'm a penguin and my penguin is me. I'm a penguin penguin and this podcast is on Spotify. There we go. Yeah, check us out on Spotify and iTunes. And I think we'll go to some other things uh, later, like Google and whatever else is out there. But check it out. How much risk was in that system? Repackaged and re-leveraged again and 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 again. Repackaged and re-leveraged again and again and again and again and again and again and again.